Hello, everybody. Obak Dave back again. This is back in Saint Omer, France, for a, another interesting interview. Today we have Jean Luc Montois, who is the owner of the uh, Palais de, Ch de la Cathedrale. He'll he'll say it better than I will. Uh, and uh, we we had the uh, distinct pleasure of staying here last night. This is a uh, this is a house that's like a museum. Uh, it's 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 spectacular in all the the collections the the things that he's done the collections that he's made to the place. So I'm going to first of all say welcome to you, Jean Luc. Jean Luc, thank you. Uh, I was very glad to welcome you here in the place because this is the goal of this place. It's a shared house, and uh, it's a house of collector uh, where you can have direct contact with everything. So tell us a little bit about the history. You started telling me about the Freemasons, etc. So tell the listeners a little bit about the history of the place. The history of the place had to be discovered, rediscovered, because uh, originally it's a very ancient place. Uh, it has its foundations in the uh, 10th century, so it was during a long time until the French Revolution. It was the property of the church, and then it was sold. It became a brothel during the French Revolution. And uh, finally, in 1817, it was bought by a man who made his business during the Revolution as a purveyor uh, for the armies. Uh, he was also a banker and he retired in Saint-Omer uh, as he was seen at that time like a dangerous uh, Republican uh, when the kings of France, Louis XVIII, came back on to, to his throne. So he decided to employ a, a team of craftsmen and women, uh, British craftsmen and women, to build up something which is uh, absolutely unique because it was supposed to be at the same time his house and it was uh, also a place used for the initi initiations to uh, different types of, uh, how can we say, um, discreet or secret societies. And, and uh, tell us a little bit about the, uh, the Freemasons, and you, you showed me the, uh, the, uh, the inlays in the floor, inlays in the, in the walls. Tell us a little bit about that. What we must understand uh, and uh, we must realize is that uh, the Freemasonry as we know it uh, in America and in Europe was very different at the time. In the 18th century there were a, very, uh, there were a huge uh, number of uh, different uh, uh, tendencies in the Masonry. Some were very Christian, some were uh, more uh, into the changement of the society, some uh, uh, tried to reconnect with the sort of uh, common, uh, basic uh, religion, and uh, they were in fact collecting a lot of traditions, and uh, the house is really a good example like that, because you have uh, some elements of the decor that come from Egyptian traditions, some from Christian traditions, some that you would find in the uh, Middle East or even in, uh, in uh, Asiatic countries. Uh, so, uh, first of all, it refers to uh, the common patrimony of signs and symbols. Uh, so that is um, the idea with uh, decor. 
uh, you can't you can't say that you have the right interpretation of the core because uh, as they are symbols and as they make some chains of connections between uh, each other, everyone can has can have his own reading of the place. But it's uh, what is interesting is that everything is displayed. It looks like a, a gorgeous, beautiful Regency style uh, house with an extraordinary, uh, well conserved decor. But it's a sort of charade. You need really uh, to analyze uh, every element and everything can be also ambiguous, have a double meaning, like grapes can be symbol of Christ or they can, it can be symbol also of um, uh, Jesus. Uh, and you will find a lot of things like that. And in addition to that, you bought the place five years ago, is that correct? And you brought your incredible collection into the into this place, and you've probably, I'm guessing, you've added since you got here. So tell us a little bit about your collection. The first thing I would say about collection is never start one, because it's... Uh, <laughs> It's a neurotic uh, disease, really. But um, in fact, I traveled a lot in my uh, career. So um, I collected a lot of things from different civilizations and countries. Uh, happily for me, I never had uh, too much money. So I was not one of these buyers who goes to uh, big fairs of antiques or to big antiquaries. I had to look for the objects. And uh, in fact, I, what I can say is that I collected uh, everything which was out of fashion at the right moment. So, for example, at the moment, if you buy uh, these wonderful Louis XV seats, it will cost you uh, less than a, a seat in, made in plastic at IKEA. So, um, there is always an opportunity to collect something. And it's much more easy now because you have internet, you have all the um, auction houses in the world are connected to internet and you can bid everywhere. So, uh, really, uh, you can spend hours, hours, hours per day uh, looking to that and trying to find it. It's just like a quest. Well, it's been, it, it's been quite a quest that you've been on, for sure. And, and, and it really shows. I mean, you've, you've put a lot, lot of blood, sweat, and tears into the collection and into the building. Uh, it's taken, I can see, you've, you've, you've put a lot into this place. So... What what's what does the future hold for the Palais? Yes, um, the um, the thing is that the Palais was uh, conceived as a place uh, which was complementary to museums. In the museums, you go and uh, you receive knowledge. Uh, in the museums, here you practice things. So you are in direct contact with the city. If you never experiment the difference of sitting in an umpire chair and in a Louis XV chair, then you miss something because uh, it gives you a posture uh, to your body that uh, is made for conversation or for retirement. 
And uh, it's the same with the porcelain. We have a gigantic collection of porcelain. Uh, so we, we wanted really to make of this place a place where uh, a group of youngsters could come and uh, have uh, a dinner with uh, the best china from 18th century, uh, uh, wonderful silver, and be around the table, 24 around the table, what they never do anymore. And I must say I'm very uh, thankful to Netflix because due to uh, programs like Bridgerton, uh, Don't Tonabe, but from, uh, or Queen Charlotte, we have a lot of visitors who come here and have the feeling that uh, we are sort of actors living in a, a sort of wonderful decor. But no, it's a house. Uh, my dog lives with here. We are three in the house. And uh, we welcome like uh, 500 people per week. So uh, it's, uh, it's a place where you can really see and share art. You can stay. So the future of that place is um, probably developing uh, even more with the new owners that will arrive in November. Uh, the um, four senses uh, dimension of the place. We, you can't really hear um, approach. Uh, the art of cooking, uh, except if you bring your food for organizing a dinner party here in, in the house. But we would like to offer the opportunity to a young couple who uh, would like to uh, offer a place where you could come, read a book, drink a tea, eat a cake, uh, pastry, or uh, have a dinner party for uh, a very uh, reasonable price. Uh, we would like to have that here because, uh, and we will leave a big part of the collection uh, to them uh, that they can continue to use these porcelains and objects. That's, that's great. It's, so it's regu regular people can come in here and experience it and, and when you, you ought to see the dining room table that, that he has. It's, it goes on forever and it's set with the finest china and, and uh, people can come in here and have a, have a nice dinner. It's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. So listen, I want to thank you very much, Jean-Luc, for your, for your kindness, for your hospitality, and for the tour of the place. It's, it's been wonderful. We'll put a link to your website in the show notes so people can get a, take a look at this. Yes. And uh, hopefully people can come over and see it. Yes. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for coming here. It was always a great pleasure to, uh, we had wonderful discussions. So uh, I wish you a lot of happiness in uh, the rest of your trip to Europe. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Jean-Luc Montois, for letting us visit your beautiful, beautiful home and palace. Next, as I continue the Culture Club segment of Toolbox. I'm going to uh, give you an interview with Romain Soffre, who is the curator at Musée Saint-Delin, S-A-N-D-E-N-L-I-N, -E in Saint-Omer. Again, this is an incredible collection that this museum has in the town of Saint-Omer. It's, uh, it's quite vast, it's quite varied, and it's all kind of it's organized into different eras, and it includes you know, furniture, artwork, 
ceramics, glassware, pipes. St. Omer was the number two pipe maker, ceramic pipe maker back in the day. So let's listen to see what Romain has to say about his museum. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Old Buck Dave again. This is an ultra-special Two Old Bucks episode. I am in the town of Saint-Omer, France, as promised. And uh, on, my, on our first morning here, I was given a, a terrific tour of the Musée Saint-Delain by Romain Saffre. Close enough? Saffre. And <clears throat> he, he, he did a, a great tour for me, and I really appreciated it. Uh, I'm going to ask him a few questions about the, the museum, and uh, I think you'll you'll enjoy a few minutes with Romain. So, Romain, welcome to the Two Old Bucks. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Welcome. So, so first question is, wh wh how did this museum uh, begin? What, what were the what was the origin of this? The museum uh, began in 1829 uh, when the local, um, I mean, agricultural society decided to create a collection. Originally, it was very different than what we can see today. It was a collection of natural history and uh, anthropology from all over the world. You had pieces from Oceania, North America, Africa. It was very diverse. It's only in the course of the 19th century and above all in the 20th century that paintings, sculptures, and furniture arrive in the museum. The two main dates are 1899, at the death of Henri Dupuis, uh, who was the greatest collector of Sintoma in the time, who gave his entire collection and his house to the town. Uh, for the 50 next years, uh, his house didn't move, uh, but after this time, most of the artworks came to Saint-Lain, and that's what we can see today. The other very important dates, in fact there are two, it's in the 20s and the 30s of the 20th century, is the donation of the collection Dutail, a very great collection of the 19th century, with very beautiful painting, French paintings from the as the 18th and the 19th century, uh, furniture from the Louis XV, and also very marvelous things like about Ribera, for example. So after all of this, uh, the museum uh, created a collection of archaeology, uh, anthropology, nat natural history, and um, painting and sculpture. So thank you. It's you have the uh, museum is separate rooms, separate collections, which represent different things. Could you tell us about some of the different collections? And also, I'm interested in what do you, what do you think are your rarest, your most uh, your most precious uh, things in the collection? I have my idea what might be, but I but you're the expert, so I want to hear from you. Sure, it's normal. Everyone has his own idea of what is the masterwork. Um, in actually in the museum uh, the greatest collections are paintings from france and uh, flanders uh, furniture from 16th century ceramics weapons uh, sculpture of from uh, medieval monuments and so on um, but it's presented with two axes one is uh, 
the house of the 18th century and uh, this use at the time of the contest, uh, Sandelin who founded it, and also the, the inner of the collectioners of the 19th century. So it's the first one in which we presented the furniture, painting, sculpture, and uh, a lot of the artworks. Um, notably, we have uh, an Asiatic saloon, an Asiatic room, I mean, uh, which is one of the main uh, main piece of the of the museum. The other uh, and the bigger one is consecrated to the history and the artworks of Saint-Omer. So it's uh, an exploration of the history of Saint-Omer thanks to the artworks and all the objects of the collection. Uh, we begin with this military story, uh, with the weapons, uh, the central roles of the religious institutions to the creation of the city, because it's not an antique city. It was founded in the medieval era around the monastery, and it was developed uh, around uh, during the Merovingian and Carolingian era uh, and it began only a city in the 12th century so it's very late uh, regard to the, the other city of the other region. Um, in these pieces we have some art marvelous artworks above all the, the gold meat, the gold works like the crossroad of the 12th century which is considered from uh, the beginning as our masterwork of all. It's, it's absolutely unique in the world and one of the most beautiful of this type in the, of the 12th century with the, uh, the sculpture, the enameled plaques. It's be absolutely beautiful. But we have also a great cross, uh, a bit uh, more recent, it's 50 years it was made 50 years before, after, sorry, um, which is very rich with, uh, an, with uh, gemstones uh, from Roman era and also much older as uh, the cornaline from the Indus Valley of the 3rd century before Christus. Now that, that would have been my guess for the, the most, uh, the rarest, or the most special, that, that cross with all the gems on it. So, so that's that's right up there, right? Yes, that's one of the on the most beautiful and very rare uh, artworks. And then uh, in the in the exhibition, we have an evocation of the everyday life uh, with some very beautiful artworks too, like these paintings of uh, this Dutch painting of the, the the baptism of Christ from the 16th century. And then uh, we can see um, some remains from the city hall, which was a marvelous medieval era building uh, with a staircase from the 14th century. It was absolutely unique in Europe, but it was destroyed in the 19th century to build a new building. Um, but some sculpture from it are exposed nowadays in the museum. And then we go on with ceramics from the north of France and above all Saint-Omer, which was a great producer in this time. Uh, it's incredible to see the diversity of the type of ceramics we were creating in this time. And the museum sunlight is uh, obviously the, the best place to discover them. And then we finish with the artists from Saint-Omer of the 19th and 20th century uh, with several paintings and some sculptures. My favorite one is François Schiffler, who painted historical scenes. Uh, his characteristic is violent 
since I think he he had some psychological troubles <laughs> in his life, but his painting is very strong and interesting uh, for that. Now this is this is maybe a little bit humorous, but what about the uh, the people that are getting their heads cut open for getting the stones taken out of their head? Tell us a little bit about that. About the stone of the city hall. Ah, the stone of the cross, sure. Um, uh, as I said, this cross is the richest of all this type of cross. Um, the biggest collection of it today is in Al-Namur, but the director of Al-Namur considered that our cross is the most beautiful. So I can take it uh, without hesitation. And um, you have gems from uh, the Roman era. I mean, uh, we can't know it because the way they were... Um, um, ordered and um, engraved is typical from this time and was not no, was normally used in the medieval era. Uh, you have also much older stone. The oldest known is a cornaline. It's a orange stone uh, which was carved in the in Dust Valley in the third or fourth millennium before Jesus Christ. And it's incredible to imagine that this stone was used as a jewel for all this time until the creation of the cross at the beginning of the 13th century. Yeah, that's amazing when you think that how, how, how long that stone has been a stone for display and, and the, the life that it's had. It's just incredible. It's incredible. Uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, you, you showed me a... Uh, a, a big uh, layout of the city, and you said the, the city, there were many churches in the city, and uh, many of them are gone now. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, uh, we have a very interesting map of the city on the middle of the 17th century, in the time in which the two-thirds of the city were belonged to religious institutions, I mean abbeys, churches, uh, university colleges and today it's uh, amazing to imagine that all this part of the city belonged to them and to see how few remains today um, among all the 30 churches 28 we can see on the map only four uh, remains today I mean the cathedral Saint Sepulchre Saint Denis the Jesuit chapel and also some remains, uh, ruins of Saint Bertin. So it's very little. Was was that typical uh, for towns to have that many churches, or is there something special about Saint Omer that that had so many churches in such a small uh, small area? This situation is absolutely normal for the time, um, because. After the medieval era, uh, a lot of abbeys um, constructed institutions inside the city, in the north of France, uh, to escape to the wars. So it was for them a way to, to survive. And in Saint-Omer, which was a, a border city for two centuries, uh, all these abbeys are constructed inside the city, so it's, it's normal. Another thing that I found pretty amazing is th this is not a this museum is not a government run government funded institution it's uh, it's all the blood sweat and tears of all the people that uh, have been committed to this over the years uh, 
Tell us a little bit about uh, how it got to be where it is today. Uh, the museum certainly respect to his huge collection is an exception in France because the greatest museum were founded after the revolution with confiscations and um, all the, the artworks who were sent by the state. In Saint-Omer, it's not the case. It was founded by a private association at the beginning of the 19th century and enriched by private people. Uh, I mean, for example, the historical society, uh, all this donators of the 19th century that uh, during the, their life or after at their death um, offer to the museum a part of all their collection. So it's a reflect of the taste. Uh, it's also um, a great evocation of what was the history of Saint-Omer because most of the artworks were collected locally in Saint-Omer or in the surround. So our collection is a, an emanation of the people of the town and, the, and the, the, the country in the 19th century. Yeah, it's just amazing that this, these are basically local, local collectors, a lot of this, a lot of this uh, artwork. And, and you brought it all together here in the museum, which is... Which is uh, well, listen, folks, it, I got to tell you, you got to come to Saint-Omer to, to and visit the Musée Saint-Delin. Saint-Delin? Saint-Delin. saint <laughs> My French is non-existent. Romain has given me, uh, you know, we've spent a couple hours here. You could spend a couple days uh, going, through the, going through the whole collection here and seeing the very diverse and interesting things from the woodworking, the furniture, the ceramics, the artwork, uh, the paintings, the sculptures the remnants of uh, various buildings from different centuries. It's just been, it's, a, it's a really amazing. So I, I want to thank you, Romaine, uh, for taking the time to do this. And I, I certainly, again, I, I, I say, come on over and see it. So any closing words from you, Romaine? Ah, welcome to Saint-Omer and discover the museum, but also the cathedral and all the city, which is to be seen. Okay, thank you very much. It's, it's been a great interview and uh, look forward to getting this out to the folks. So there you have it, folks. Two spectacular collections in the city of Saint-Omer. So that wraps up episode 141 of the Two Old Bucks. I have good news and bad news following that. The bad news is my wife and I got sick last night, uh, stomach bug or, or something, Anyway, we, are, we will not be able to attend the dinner at Mary Meany's. It's uh, kind of in our honor. So Paul Treguet, who you've listened to in a past podcast, has graciously volunteered to ask questions and record them so that we may put them on the old buck. So thank you, old buck Paul, for that. We look forward to uh, for you standing in for the two old bucks. Until next time, folks, this is Old Buck Dave. We're hoping to get better and better every day. Take care. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.